0: If you have any pocket change in your pocket and you took out that coin, even from the lowliest penny to the greatest bill, a $100 bill, we will find that all of them will have the United States motto on them. In God, we trust. Every piece of coinage has that. that should be really the motto of every believer. Written on our heart, in God, we trust. At the Last Supper, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus was sharing with his disciples at such a pivotal moment, everything he said has tremendous prominence. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus says to them, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And he encouraged them to have trust, to trust in God the Father, to trust and have faith and believe in him. In fact, we will find that a life is determined by what we're trusting in, where we put our faith. As Paul ends his letter to Timothy, he's going to talk about trust. And let's turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy 6 and see what Paul instructs Timothy about trust. 1 Timothy 6, stand with me as we read our passage. We'll pick up at verse 17. Paul says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come and that they may lay hold on eternal life let us pray father we are thankful of who you are that you indeed are worthy of placing our trust into Father, help us each day not to lean on our own understanding but that we would trust you completely. Give you our whole heart that we know the goodness you have for each of us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now I want to focus on verse 17. I meant to get to verses 18 and 19. Not going to happen. Uh, Verse 17 just kind of took charge of the situation. But notice Paul says, charge them that are rich in this world. Now, can that be referring to us? Let me ask. Is anyone starving here? I mean, you guys are probably hungry. You're thinking about lunch. But looking at you, I'd say most of you are pretty well fed. Okay? I don't see anybody that's been starving for days or weeks. Does everyone have clothes to wear? You all look dressed pretty good. Do you have a home to go back to? No one's homeless that I know of. Do we all have transportation? You're here, so you got here somehow. Most of us have cars, probably a number of them. Do we have friends and family? Do we have a church to go to? Do we have a Bible in our hand? Now, if you don't, we've got some free ones out there. You can take one so everyone can have a Bible. You see, if we answered yes to all those questions, we are rich. We really are. So, Paul's speaking to us. We might think, well I'm just Joe Average American, struggling to make a living. Well, compared to most of the world, we are rich. We really are with how God has blessed us. But let's take a look at verse 17 about trust. It's a decision of faith. We need to ask ourselves, what do I trust in? C.H. Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the 1800s, he cuts right to the issue. He says, Trust Jesus and you are saved. Trust yourself and you're lost. And he's so right. Paul is very frank about what we should trust and what we should not trust in. Because he says in verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So Paul tells us a couple of things not to trust in. He tells us first up, do not trust in self. Notice he speaks to those that they be not high-minded. Uh, and that's a good translation. The word means to think lofty, It means to be haughty. It means to have an exalted opinion of oneself. As Dr. John MacArthur puts it, he says, riches and pride are frequently found together. And he's right. Uh, It's easy to look down on those who are lower on the economic ladder. In fact, the more wealth we have, the greater the temptation is to be high-minded. to to look down on others but the grace that's to mark us and every believer rich and poor is humility it's the mark of Jesus, it's to be our mark too, Uh, Paul wrote the Philippians about Jesus and his humility, he said being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross You see, Jesus never placed himself above others. He loves everyone. He served anyone. Men and women, children, rich and poor, the religious, Nicodemus, or the uh, tax collector, Zacchaeus, the powerful, the Roman centurion, or the poor cripple at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus served everyone, all kinds of people. In fact, Jesus would have dinner with anyone. A lot of times he was criticized for that. He eats with publicans, tax collectors, and sinners. And his invitation for fellowship is to anyone. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in. Well, have fellowship. And in John 13, what do we find the creator of the universe doing? Washing the dirty feet of men. You see the humility of Jesus took him to the cross for us. And if he'd been centered on pride, we'd still be lost in our sin. So Paul says, don't trust yourself. Don't be (coughs) high-minded. Then he goes on to say, don't trust in uncertain riches. One of the traps of wealth is, is false security. I mean, with money, we can buy everything we need. With money, we can get what we need, and we can get it right now. I mean, we can go online, order stuff, and... Of course, Amazon, they have, well, if you want it by tomorrow, this time, you pay a little extra more. So with money, you can get stuff and you can get it fast. With money, we can shield ourselves from trials and hardships. With wealth, we can smooth our way through life. Money has that power. And it can be deceptive because we begin to trust it. John Phillips says, poor people tend to turn to God. Rich people tend to rely on gold. Dr. Keith I've shared this many times. At seminary, he'd always say, prosperity has slain more than the sword. It'll slay your trust, your faith. James, in his the, in the second chapter, he talks about how we're to treat people, whether they are rich or poor, should be the same. But he makes an observation, he says, Hearken, listen up, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith? You know, many times, poor people are rich in faith. They're open to spiritual things. And the more wealthier we get, the more prosperous our society, the less we trust God. Our faith is eroded. You know, God warned the Israelites, well, when you go into Canaan, you got all these nice houses and all this good stuff, watch out. Don't let your faith get eroded. And Paul says, don't trust uncertain riches. These things can disappear. Proverbs is so true. It says, labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. That is so true. I mean, money has a way of disappearing a bad investment, a crash in Wall Street, China or Europe has a hiccup, insider trading or corruptness, the dryer decides to quit working, the water pump goes out in the car, the cat gets sick, and it just eats up your money. It's gone. I mean, who would have thought that an Arab in dirty white flowing robes sitting on the backside of Afghanistan would have crashed the economy of the world on September 11th, 2001? We don't know what's around the corner that's going to happen and take away everything. But God does. He knows what's coming up. That's why Paul says, Don't trust in uncertain riches. They can be gone. So, wealth, money, possessions, they, they can just nourish a materialistic appetite. And, and, and we just have to be on guard. You know, Jesus, if you remember in the parable of the sower, what a marvelous parable of insight. He talks about the sower that sows seed on different types of ground. And remember there's, uh, some of it just lays on top of the ground. The birds get it. It's gone. Uh, Some lands on stony ground, gets root, grows up, but the sun comes out and, and man, it just, it's burned. Gone. And then he says, some of it is cast into the thorns. And it's choked out nothing. I mean, Brother Kenny, you probably fight with weeds, thorns, don't you, with, with farming? That's, that's, that's a big thing. Chokes your crop. But some of it goes on good ground. And it produces a crop. And Jesus, when he interpreted that, he applied it to, the, uh, to our experience. The word is the word of God. And the one that I think most of us really struggle with is that that is sown in the thorns. And Jesus said, here's what it is. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Just chokes it out. So things and uh, possessions and and wealth can come in and, and put God in second place or third place or last place. It'll do that. I mean, we look at the rich young ruler. He wouldn't give up his wealth. And he walked away from Jesus. He just held on to his things. Zacchaeus, a rich tax collector... He began to quickly unload his wealth for Jesus. After Jesus was in his home, Zacchaeus stood up and he said, "I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor, and anyone that I've wronged, I'm going to restore fourfold." He began to unload it. Jesus said, "This day is salvation come to this house." He grasped eternity. So don't put trust in self. Don't, don't put faith in riches. Where do we put it? Well, look what Paul says. He says, purpose to trust the living God, verse 17. Charge them who are rich, not to be high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy what kind of god do we serve we serve a rich a, a living god he's rich too but he's a living god and we live in a time where people are behaving like god is dead i mean we got a society that's just living counter to god's ways we got a time that focuses only on the physical, the material, that lives for here and now. No sense of eternity. No sense of a coming judgment. I mean, it's kind of like the days of Noah. Going on now. But the truth is, God is not dead. He's living inside. He's roaring like a lion, yeah. as the song puts it. And the old hymn tells us, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart. Wonderful Worlds by by Alfred Ackley. A great hymn. You see, all other gods are dead. But we have a living God in our midst. Don't buy in or be bullied by the Nietzsche philosophy that God is dead. That's where it came. Nietzsche's dead. He died insane. But our God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, He's a living God. And Jesus, when He came to the Apostle John, the island of Patmos, He said, first thing to John, fear not, I'm the first and last, I am he that liveth, and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore, amen, I have the keys of hell and death. He masters it. Then the living God is a giving God. He's not stingy. Too many Scrooges in life. Love that story, Charles Dickens. About Scrooge. A man that just hung on to everything. And how pitiful his life was. And how he redeemed himself and learned to give. He became a different person, didn't he? That's the heart of God. And if we want to get close to God, we have to be, have the same heart. We need to take a heart and give our heart to Christ. Give it all to him. We want to understand God's heart. We need to be a, have a heart that gives our heart to our families. in our church then we begin to understand God's heart and that brings a blessing if we're stingy we're gonna stunt our Christianity I find it a blessing to give to my church every Sunday that's a privilege I find it a blessing to give away tons of food every month. Man, weren't you blessed? If you've worked with the food pantry anytime, time, you always walk away with a blessing. That's fun to give stuff away. And we're stepping into a time of great giving. And we need to be prepared. Shoeboxes, t- you know, Touch the lives of a lot of little kids. Make a difference. Pray for Franklin Graham. He's bold. I like him. We have Lottie Moon Christmas mission offering coming up. Christmas is 60 days away. Didn't think of that, did you? Get your offering ready. That's going to touch thousands of lives through our missionaries. We have a God that gives richly. Paul pointed out to the Romans, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I mean, God gave us His best. didn't hold anything back. Spared no expense. Gave the only begotten. And He gives richly to us. And then if you notice what Paul says, Trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know, God gives us stuff to enjoy. Uh, Sometimes we overlook that. You know, some in in, in the Christian realm uh, see God as a celestial killjoy, that He's just going around looking for some Christian having a good time, really enjoying things, and then when He finds them, He yells, Cut that out! Is God like that? No, He isn't. Paul says He gives us things to enjoy. And I believe that the Bible teaches as we draw close to God trust and faith that we enjoy things experiences with a deeper gratitude and thankfulness than without that faith or trust. You know, as we draw close to God and trust in Him, that a meal can become extra special. Even a simple one of soup and bread. Or at a restaurant. Being together with good friends becomes deeper. That hot cup of coffee tastes better. The ice cream and chocolate syrup at night becomes richer. Brother Kenny, did you get any last night? You did, okay. The man of my own heart. I did too. Everyone went to bed and I got my own stuff out. I came to check, but you're asleep. So you didn't get nothing. (laughs) A good pocket knife. The laugh of a child. Listening to Diageo, D minor for strings. You're wondering, well, what's that? Well, go get your own list. Make your own (laughs) stuff up. Anything, everything becomes better as we trust in the living God. It becomes more richer. In fact, it's interesting that those who step away from God, those who abandon their faith, they lose the enjoyment of God's provision. Charles Darwin, late in life, said he found no more enjoyment in a beautiful setting, a landscape, in a picture, or in any music. It was gone. It's because he walked away from God. And that's what happens. And many survivors of uh, Nazi concentration camp out of World War II, the things that they thought about and, and, and held them through is not some exotic experience or location It was simply the normal life at home. A boring day at home. Everything becomes richer when we trust God. Does our faith affect our life? Big time. Big time. The question for us What am I trusting in today? If I let these other things slip in, cares of the world, stuff. God can help us get back. He'll help our faith. Peter and Sarah, come back up. Erica, bring our team back up. We're going to sing Alleluia. Is God speaking to your heart today? Is He saying, You need to trust me more? You need to see what I can do in your life to make it what it should be. You come.